This is the Courtside Connect, your go-to podcast for all things Kentucky basketball and Kentucky basketball's quickest game review podcast. And Scott and I, we are holding to that tonight. It is coming up on 1 a.m. right now. I got an exam tomorrow. We both got school tomorrow. It was a late night, but we're here to give you some content. Scott, how are you doing tonight? Tired. Uh, I'm happy we won, though, but I am absolutely wiped. Eruptions on was rocking so uh, i'm wiped from that for sure but all in all good night i think it's fair to say that if we lost tonight we probably wouldn't be recording <laughs> no i would be sleeping by now <laughs> but we we did come away with the win the wildcats won 71 to 66 at home um depending on how you look at it you can probably say it wasn't even that convincing of a win or you can probably say the win was probably bigger than the score actually um signified because we were up like 10 12 13 points and then LSU put on the full court press and we just don't really have a point guard to close out but um what are just your overall big takeaways from the game start to finish uh the biggest one is Bryce Hopkins I I I knew someone was gonna have to to pick up the the slack after after the first half because you know it's LSU's defense it's they're top three in the country, in my opinion. They're probably the best, just the schemes that they they, they run, the the length that they have. And I knew someone was going to have to step up. And we were waiting for Bryce Hopkins this whole year to really have, like, a Bryce Hopkins game. And it finally happened. And I – because Matt and I, obviously, we're both Chicago people. So, to see a fellow Chicagoan go off the way that he did, I felt so proud of him. It was, it was really nice to see him and to see him smile. And, you know, after the game, he said – uh, he used Davion Mintz's line where it can't rain forever. You know, the sun has to come out someday. And he kept sticking with that. And the sun finally came out for Bryce. So I'm, I'm so proud of him. And But besides that, I mean, to, to beat a, a defense like that and to win the game with zero point guards, I, I, it was ugly, but they got the job done. And this team, this team has it. Uh, you know, Pell's year – our boy Pels, he tweeted out, you know, whatever this, whatever it means, this team has it. And he said it perfectly. This team, they have that it factor. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to go more into Bryce, some other individual performances and a deeper dive into the game. But first, a word from our good friends over at Blue Chips. Big Blue Nation, now is your chance to own a piece of Kentucky basketball history. Kentucky basketball is partnered with Blue Chips to be the official and exclusive home for Kentucky basketball NFTs. All season long, Blue Chips will be dropping unique digital collectibles of your favorite players and the most legendary coach in college basketball. Collect player cards. Snag limited edition collectibles of big moments. Get access to exclusive events and win prizes. Join the Blue Chips Discord, the online community for diehard BBN fans to talk hoops and get closer and ever to the Cats. Don't miss out. Visit ukbluechips.io now and get your piece of Kentucky basketball history. Um, the big thing that you brought up is that this game's a lot different than the Alabama one because, like you said, LSU's defense is just elite. Like, we, we could have 
we could have thrown out any five guys and probably found a way to put up 90 points on Alabama, you know, like it ultimately come down to, can we make the stops? Can we chase them off the three point line? But I mean, we could have scored with anyone against Alabama with LSU that that's not the case. And we saw that how, how many points did we put up in the first half? It was like 23, maybe it was 20. Yeah. 23. Yeah. So we were down 31 to 23 at half. I mean, for the most part, I thought we were getting some decent looks. We were, the shots just weren't falling. And there were other times we just weren't taking the shots. Like, I know you really like that Jacob Toppin three-pointer. Um, I know you really like, I guess, anyone to take a three-pointer. Like, Kellen Grady wasn't being that aggressive. Davion Mintz, his, a couple of his shots weren't going. Again, Jacob Toppin wasn't taking the threes. So, our offense was kind of stagnant. And on the defensive end, Xavier Pinson, he was getting whatever he wanted. He was scoring. And uh, I attribute that to us switching everything, you know? Like, he purposely found – he found the one guy on the court that he wanted to be like, all right, Keon Brooks or Lance Ware or basically whoever was playing the four or Oscar Shibway. I'm going to get a pick and roll with your guy and then work on you and ISO. And he kept getting into the paint or he would kick it out to like Eason or days to get a wide open three or a bucket down low. It was basically a three man offense. It was really one dimensional and they really didn't have that much going outside of it. But in the second half, I feel like they stopped switching as much or they were helping on guys off the switch. Like Days, he finished 4 of 15. And Pinson, he, he finished 6 of 20. So the top two scorers for LSU, they combined for 10 of 35. So, again, they, they did get their points, but it was terribly inefficiently. But the big thing in the second half, um, I remember there was a point where Bryce Hopkins took a three, and we were both kind of like, that's, that's not a great shot. But I, I remember I leaned over to you and said, like, I'm glad he's being aggressive, you know, mm-hmm. like we need someone to come up and make a shot. And that's just what he did. He took it to the hoop. He was drawing fouls. He was knocking down his free throws um, and ones, putbacks, you know, crashing on the offensive boards. I mean, we can go through the stats. I mean, just how important and just what did you see different from Bryce Hopkins today that we really haven't seen in the past? He was aggressive. And I think as a freshman, like, I don't know, I've never played basketball, so but I think with any type of sport, when especially when you're like a freshman or you're new and something's not really going your way, you tend to lose confidence, which means you're less aggressive. And tonight, I've never seen like him be so aggressive when it when it came to like hunting his shot or on the boards or anything like that. Like he had four offensive rebounds and two of them were offensive. Like the man was an animal on the boards. And look, if Bryce can do like literally half of this consistently for this team from here on out play him you know what I mean like I don't need you to score now if if you want to score 13 a night by all means Bryce go ahead but like if you're just going to give us like half that production I'm happy because that's all that this team needs whether it be Lance uh Damian or Bryce giving some type of production I don't care um but all in all he just he looked like he finally found his role in a game and he looked like the Bryce Hopkins that we saw in high school where he could take over um he did it at Fenwick he's he and this looks like a Fenwick version of Bryce Hopkins he he was really 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 aggressive and he looked like he was the alpha of the team at times so props to him yeah one of our bigger complaints I, I think it was both the Tennessee and Florida games um we only shot nine free throws against Florida we only shot 14 free throws against Tennessee and especially when you don't have your top two guards and we're going to have a size and physicality advantage over everyone, you know? So there's no reason that our team just can't get to the line. I mean, 
we we saw what can happen when your team gets to the free throw line a lot tonight. Um, we made 71% a lot. I don't know the specific breakdown, um, but we shot a lot better in the second half. I remember we were bricking quite a few in the first half. Yeah. But we finished the game with 32 free throw attempts. And again, I'm, I might be a little biased, but I, I thought they were all pretty genuine. Like it, LSU was really hacking us. And I, like, I didn't feel like we were getting a friendly home whistle. Like, I don't think we ever get that at the rub, not, not at Kentucky. Um, but I mean, what, what were we doing differently? I mean, you kind of talked to aggression a little bit, but ju just to get 32 free throw attempts against a, a really good defense. Uh, I mean, to go with your point, like, usually I'm the one on Twitter who's kind of like, all right, guys, that wasn't like a bad call. Like, BB on Twitter be like, oh my God, that's a terrible call. I'll be like, well, no, it was, it was, it was a foul. Like, which some of you guys probably don't like, but I don't care. Um, I like a, a objectivity. However, um, I could see why LSU is so good at defense because they make the refs like blow blow their whistle. They they put the the game in the refs' hands on the defensive end. Like all of those fouls were were mostly fouls. I didn't see any where I was like, oh damn, we got lucky on that one. And when we do have a lucky call, I'll tell them that. I'll lean to them. I'll be like, that probably wasn't a foul. But all of these all of those were fouls. Um, and I, I think we were aggressive because we only took 12 threes. So you know we were getting our shots at the rim. Um, or, you know, somewhere around there in the paint because their big men really aren't that great in terms of uh, defensive, uh, defensively. So I think we were just getting rewarded with foul calls and they were having trouble guarding us without fouling. Yeah, well, one of my favorite things about the whole, the whole Bryce Hopkins situation of today, I mean, the uh, right after I think his last and one, it went to a timeout or something like that because there was a commercial, um, I don't know if it was, during his five-point play where he got uh, like a, a layup and one and then the free throw missed, but then he got another layup and one. I think it was somewhere in there, but Jacob Toppin ran over and like hugged him, you know? And then after the game, Keon Brooks tweets out, uh, Bryce Hopkins is really good at basketball, four exclamation points. Jacob Toppin says, Bryce MF Hopkins. Ty Ty says, this is the B-hop we know. Um, Trace Terrell over at Cats Coverage tweeted out a quote, a quote from John Calipari says, I think we're going to need Bryce on our NCAA tournament run. And um, Lance Ware said, how about Bryce? Of, of course, the, <laughs> the how about Lance reference. But, I mean, it's just so good to see. I mean, Bryce Hopkins, um, we've kind of talked about it. Like, we're not really sure where he fits. I mean, when we talk about the future, I mean, he's a guy that we could potentially see transferring just because of, again, like we're probably going to have Toppin coming back. We might have Keon coming back. Um, we, we have um, Chris Livingston coming in in that same position. You never know what's going to happen in the transfer portal or maybe late freshman ads, you know? So like, wh where is he going to continue to get minutes? And if he's not getting them this year, it, it's, it's hard to see where he might get them next year. So having a breakout game for this, um, he, he was really cool, calm, and collected a lot of the game, not trying to show too much emotion, but you could see when the, the eruption zone was chanting, like, oh, let's go, Bryce. Like, a little smile started peeking out. Like, this is why you come to Kentucky. This is this is the reward you get for putting in hard work all year. So I, I really, I really, um, really applaud Bryce for putting in the work all year, not giving up, even though it doesn't look like he's ever going to really get serious rotation minutes and – he might have played himself into some minutes in March now, so I, I have to applaud him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it would be easy for him to, you know, get down on himself and kind of give up. I, I wouldn't blame him if he did because 
you know, you come here as a five-star or a fringe five-star and you got NBA aspirations, you're at Kentucky and it's like, damn, why can I not get off the bench? You know what I mean? Um, but he, like, like I said, how he referenced the Davion quote, um, can't rain forever. It's, sun's got to come out one day. And the sun finally came out for him. And let's just hope that the sun stays out for, for Bryce. Absolutely. Um, again, we talked a little bit about the aggression. Uh, Kellen Grady today really didn't get his three-pointer to go. He was 0 of 5. I mean, it looked like a couple of his were going to go down. A couple of them were more, I, w- I wouldn't say just jacking up a three, but they're, they're more heaves, like lower percentage shots. But even no matter what Kellen Grady shoots I always think it's going in it's kind of like that Steph Curry factor you know but um I I have to applaud his aggressiveness because he took eight two-pointers like I don't have the stat in front of me but I feel like that's the most non-three-pointer attempts that Kelly Grady has taken all year he was five of eight um from two-point land and he made all three of his free throws and I I mean there is that take I want to say it was against Efton Reed who's a seven-footer a pure seven-footer and he hacked the shit out of Kellen Grady, and he finished an and one, but he was constantly getting the paint, constantly getting layups, constantly getting floaters. Um, kind of looked like an Emmanuel quickly um, from a couple of years ago. Like, quickly would take his threes, but he wouldn't be only a three-point shooter, you know? Like, when someone was chasing him off the three-point line, he could pump fake, get in the lane, blow by his defender, and put up a nice little floater. That's what I saw from Kellen Grady tonight, and I, I thought that was phenomenal just for him to keep getting aggression, even when his three pointers weren't falling. Absolutely. And I think, uh, even like last episode, was it last episode? I think it was, or, um, yeah, I think it was the last episode where I referenced, I want Callum Grady to drive it more because defense will defenses will like sell out to stop his, to run him off the line. And we saw that a lot today. Like he got to the paint whenever he wanted to, because he can do that. He did that all the time at Davidson. Like people forget at Davidson, he was like a 36% three-point shooter. He wasn't some sniper that he is now. I mean, I'm sure it was in his bag, but you know what I mean? It's just, it's different roles. However, he's been doing that for four years. And I would love if he would able, if he, you know, drove the ball more because it adds so much to this offense where it's like, okay, well, Shit, I gotta close out on Kellen, but he's gonna. What if he blows by me? And now we have mismatches and all that. And I think we finally saw that tonight. You know, eight two point attempts from Kellen Grady, something that I didn't think we would see this year. I also didn't expect that Severe and Ty Ty would get injured. So just to see that, see that he's able to put up scoring like that, kind of. It wasn't really a worry for me, but like it's like, oh wow, like this team can hit you so many different ways, and Kellen Grady can hit you with so many ways. It just unlads, uh, it adds like an unlimited um, amount of just offense that we could bring. Yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, a guy we have to hit on, as always, Oscar Sheboy played a phenomenal all around game today. Um, five of seven from the field, but got to the free throw line a lot. We, something clicked. I, I, I don't know if it was the Nate Oates quote, you know, before the Alabama game, where he's like, yeah, he, he's, um, if you put like length on him, you know, he'll, and you cut off his angles, he really can't get his shot up. So you have a seven-footer in, what is it, Bidiaco? Is that the guy at Alabama? And then um, you yeah. have you have uh, Afton Reed, who I think is averaging like three or four blocks per 40 minutes. He's a pure seven-footer. And he, he's had two back-to-back games, and he's getting to the free-throw line a lot. I mean, he's he was a huge part of that increase in free-throw shooting. I mean, Afton Reed fouled out. I mean, 
uh, Tari Eason, I, I don't want to call him Afton's backup because Eason's, he's the sixth man, you know, but he's probably the best player right. on the team. But he fouled him out too. So he fouled the best two front court players, the best two centers for LSU. He fouled them both out of the game. I mean, they combined for 38 minutes. So they couldn't even keep both of them or either of them on the floor at all times for the entire game. So, I mean, he just completely dominated the paint. What a juicy from Oscar tonight that you liked. It was, it was same old Oscar. Like I would, what was he like seven for 11 from the free throw line, I believe or something like that. Or that, yeah, he was seven for 11. I would have liked if he would made like I don't know, nine, but you'll live with it. He, um he was very aggressive and he got the ball down low. He didn't sit there and freeze. He got the ball, made a move, either put it up or pass it out. And LSU, they did run some traps at him. They did run some doubles. And he was able to work his way out of those, which is something that we know can plague Oscar. However, he handled it really, really well. And when he could do that against a defensive team like LSU, I mean, you could see Oscar growing the past couple games, not scoring, not rebounding, but doing the right things, making the right pass, finding the open guy, not, you know, getting a rebound, not immediately putting it up, surveying his options. He's, he did that all tonight. And, you know, after Narita, he's a he was a five-star coming into this year. He's a good player. Tree Eason might be one of the, the defensive player of the year in the SEC. Like, he's so good on the defensive end. And I'm not going to say, like, he bullied them, but he practically bullied them. He, he, he made them leave the game with all those fouls. And, yeah, just credit to Oscar because if I feel like if Eason doesn't go out, then the score might be different. Yeah, I mean, typical – Oscar stat line tonight, uh, 17 points, 16 rebounds, three blocks, seven free, three blocks. I mean, Oscar only averages a, a little less than a block and a half per game, and he had three today. But, I mean, to have Eason play 13 minutes, only shoot two of seven, I mean, he's going to be an all-SEC player, you know? Like, like I would be surprised if he's not on one of the all-SEC teams. I see him in a lot of first rounds and mock drafts, some yeah. even having a borderline lottery. So, I mean – He's a great all-around player, so to limit him to 13 minutes, foul out, and, like, he committed five fouls in 13 minutes, and all of them were genuine, you know? So, mm -hmm. all-around great game from Oscar. Um, one thing that I'm seeing um, as I go through the box score, I mean, back-to-back -back games now, I mean, Bryce Hopkins was able to give us quite a few minutes off the bench. He played 16 tonight, but Jacob Toppin, after playing 40 minutes against um, – Alabama, he plays 39 tonight. Oscar Shibway plays 38 minutes in back-to-back -back games. I, th I think I think he had 38 last game. Uh, Kellen Grady, after playing 39 against Alabama, plays 40 tonight. Davion Mintz played 39 at Alabama, played 38 tonight. Um, if Calipari alluded that we might not even have um, Ty Ty and Wheeler or one of them or both of them, whatever. We might not have them back for Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas is a challenge in itself, you know, just being a tough yeah. road environment. They're, them being one of the hottest teams in college basketball, I think they've won 12 out of 13. Are you concerned coming off of a late Wednesday night, whether Ty Tyre and Wheeler play or not, um, a game that ended at 1130 and we have guys playing damn near 40 minutes back-to-back -back games, and now we have a quick turnaround as a Wednesday game. We only have Thursday, Friday off. Now we got to go play one o'clock on, on Saturday. Like the, the, that has to cause like, that has to put us in a hole if we aren't already in one with the two injuries. It does. I'm, I'm more concerned if Ty Ty and Tavir can't go because 
then I feel like you're just asking so much of these guys. And if they don't go, like, if they can't play, then it is what – if we lose, we lose. Like, I don't – this Arkansas game to me does not mean much. Um, just because I'd rather I, – I was more focused on these two games because these got, these two games that we're playing right here, the uh, Bama-LSU game, those can kind of – if we lose one of those, those kind of hinder our, um, you know, record – well, obviously our record, but, like, our seeding and whatnot going into the tournament. Not that seeding matters, but you, you'd prefer to be a high seed, obviously. Um However, you know, I think if I'm Davion Mance, I'm like hoping that they come back or if I'm Kellen Grady, just so you have some someone behind you so you don't have to play the whole game. Um, I just think that if one of those one of those guys can come back, we'll be fine against Arkansas. I just I really hope that I think they're I mean, they're collegiate athletes. They play at the highest level practically. Um, their bodies are probably fine. I just want them to uh, to get the adequate West, a- adequate West, my lord, adequate rest uh, for for Saturday, and just rest up these next two games and take it easy a little bit. Don't do anything stupid. Just get your bodies right. And- yeah, absolutely. Um, the I, I'm not overly concerned about the Arkansas game either. If we don't have our guys go, I mean, there's only so much you can do. You know, um, the only thing that I would really like, I mean, if we would. If we were to beat 18 Arkansas, currently number 18 Arkansas, I think they're like a, probably a four or a five seed. If we were to beat them on the road, um, we we would move up just period. You know, we'd probably jump the five or four team just from having an impressive road win and an impressive win against LSU. Um, but if Auburn were to lose at Tennessee, which I, I think they will, I mean, I'd actually be surprised if Auburn came away with a win. They're not doing anything outside of their own building. Kentucky would then be tied for first in the SEC standings. And just, I know Auburn has the head-to-head, but I mean, if you take out that game, we are basically dominating them in schedule. They have no other good wins outside of us. Um, they, they lose anytime they have decent competition and they don't play good, no matter how bad their competition is when they go on the road or even in a neutral set, you know? So um, just, just for that factor, I, w- I would not mind um, well, obviously, I, I wouldn't mind. I would love to beat Arkansas, but um, just for that factor, there, there's a little bit of extra motivation for me. But like you said, at the end of the day, seeding really doesn't matter. At the end of the day, we'll play who will play. If Kentucky is fully healthy in March, that that obviously means more than anything. Absolutely. Like, I'll take us against anyone healthy. Gonzaga, who I think is probably the best team in the country, I think we're right behind them. Um like I'll take them against. I'll take our team fully healthy against anyone. And uh, you know John Rothstein, who usually doesn't give Kentucky a whole lot of credit, he said tweeted about how we beat um, Bama and LSU back to back without our starting backcourt. And he want he said like I don't think there's a team in the country that could, that could have done that. So I think that just shows uh, uh, how good this team really is. And once we get those guys back healthy, I'd watch out. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, like we previously noted, we're, we're at damn near 1 a.m. right now. I still got to edit this and then study for an exam I have tomorrow at like 12 um, and definitely need my sleep. So we're going to make this a short and sweet episode. Got through everything. I think we need to say, is there anything else you wanted to add before we get out of here? Yeah, real quick. Uh, this is a very weird game. We only had three assists the whole game. Three assists. And we came up, we found a way to win. So just if that, I think that set right there is a microcosm of this game and how weird it was, but how gritty it was and how great of a win it was. 
do you by chance know how many turnovers we have while we're on the topic? Let me look. We it's had, 12. I just found it. Jeez. Yeah. And we still found a way to win. That's how hey, that's how teams win. That's how, and we scored that's how the teams we win. scored 48 points in the second half. I mean, putting up 90 on Bama without your two point guards, that's one thing. Putting up 48 and a half against LSU um with three assists in the whole game. That's insane. I'm so proud of these guys, man. Yeah, me me too, man. Um before we uh, get out of here, where can we find you and your work? Uh, you can find my Twitter at Scott Clark UK, and then you can find my work at uh, KYKernel.com. I will be covering the baseball series this weekend against, I forgot who they're playing. It's so late right now, but you can check out my work there. Yeah, you can find me at MaxXBBN on Twitter. You can find the Courtside Connect podcast on Twitter at the Courtside Co. That's where we have all our episode information. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CatsCovers.com, and iHeartRadio. Caden Ray, if you are listening to this, shout out to you. And as always, go Cats. Go Cats. See you guys. Just need to clear my mind.